Chapter 5 Roger, is the PR there? Have you located him? 735, there's a 15 minute ETS of 0021. 2190, 2190, monitor the ACC. Suspect is armed. The police presence was heavy around East Los Angeles following the news of the kidnapping of the police commissioner's son. SWAT cars were stationed in the streets around East LA. Helicopters were constantly flying, surveying the city for any possible sightings of the so-called Mr. Balloons. Police cars and motorcycles were monitoring the local neighborhoods. It felt as though the city were suddenly paralyzed with military enforcement for the police commissioner's son. But the citizens of East LA were not happy with that. In a town hall meeting, the citizens let the police commissioner know exactly what they were feeling. Why didn't we see this kind of police enforcement before? Asked one citizen. Another said, so everybody else's parents needs to wait so that you can do your job correctly, right? But as soon as your son is kidnapped, then you call the Calvary? This is bullshit, police commissioner, said another. Four children are missing, and all you said is that you have to follow protocol. That everyone has to be patient. But now that your child is gone, where's this patience that you asked others for? Now, 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 I I know your anger, replied the commissioner. And I know that more than anything right now, you want to hold me accountable for the way that I responded to the kidnapping of our children. Their children, commissioner, yelled the citizen. You reacted that way to their children. You reacted differently to your child. The police commissioner maintained his composure. It was assertive, but not in a rude way. He was still the police commissioner for East Los Angeles, and he had to handle the situation quickly before it escalated into a riotous melee. Citizens, please. He began asking people to come to focus on the town hall meeting. Please, please, citizen, please. Look, I, I, I know I'm asking for a lot, but 
I beg for your forgiveness. I'm aware that the way that I acted, uh, the way that I uh, responded to what was going on, uh, the way that I that, that I carried myself in in the handling of what was happening in our city, that that was not the way I should have responded. I am aware of that. I, I was more concerned with doing my job correctly and lawfully. And I, and I guess in doing that, I never really put myself in your shoes. But now, well, but now Mr. Balloon has put me in your shoes. And it is a horrendous feeling. I, I would have never imagined what it feels like to have your child, the one who, the one who you would give your life to, to be t taken away. And one as a parent having, just having no idea where your child is or, or if your child is safe or worse yet. Excuse me. Ah, uh, worse yet, if her child is even alive. I'm sending a message out to our children, and that message is: children, do not give up. Do not be afraid. You will be rescued, and you will be brought safely back to your parents' home, and to, and to this, uh, Mr. Balloons. I only have one message for you. Turn yourself in. This is your first and only opportunity. If you not do so, we will be coming after you with full force. Oh, and trust me, absolutely no mercy will be shown to you when you are captured. Mr. Balloons was watching the town hall meeting live on television. A long and devilish grin grew across his face. Very good then, Commissioner, he said to the television screen. Cool then. Let us now begin phase two of my plan. <laughs> An evil laugh came out of him as he was seeing that his blueprint was going exactly as planned. 
from across the room, Mr. Balloon was sitting in his empty television studio, decorated with colorful, toxic balloons, macabre party decorations, abandoned television cameras, as well as old studio equipment. The children each sat in their wooden chairs, tied up and terrified. They were afraid that at any moment, this real-life Skola monster was going to hurt them and that they would never see their parents again. Chapter 6 The news replayed that line from the police commissioner over and over again throughout the day and well into the night. And trust me, absolutely no mercy will be shown to you when you are captured. The town hall meeting was a success as the commissioner and the citizens of East Los Angeles decided to put their differences aside and focus on what was most important. That was the rescue of the children and the capture of the nefarious Mr. Balloons. At Ricky's home, he and his mother were watching the town hall meeting come to a close on the television living room. Both of them were absolutely speechless. Like a pendejo would kidnap children and then, I, I mean, and, and then go and kidnap the police commissioner's son, Doña Hernandez asked out loud. Oh, I hope they catch that son of a bitch and burn him alive. Mom, exclaimed Ricky. Yo, relax. <laughs> I mean, I look, I understand what you're saying, but look, we have to give the police a chance to do their work. I tu pendejo, replied his mom angrily at him. You sound just like that stupid commissioner before today's meeting. Uh, what? What do you mean? Mijo, you don't know what it's like to lose your child. Ay, ay, gracias a Dios that I never had to go through that. Before I came to the United States, allá en El Salvador, I'm not kidding, mijo. Parents would lose their children every day. Uh, how? Ricky asked. W was there a Mr. Balloons there too? His mom replied angrily. I, no cabrón. I'm being serious. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Uh, what do you mean? I mean, what happened? Mijo. 
During the Civil War, allá en El Salvador, uh, well, the army would go to schools during the day or, or to the colonias at night, and they would just take the children who were about, I don't know, maybe nine, ten years old, and then they would train them to become soldiers. Ay. No, mijo. You remember Tia Imelda? Allá en Salvador, en Santana? Well, she had her nine-year-old boy kidnapped from school. Seriously? Asked Ricky in disbelief. Si, mijo. Ay, mi tía Melda was never the same after that. She said that she felt as though a piece of her was just ripped apart from the inside. And every day ever since, she died a little more every day. I mean, when, when, when the war was over and her son returned home, I, I remember he said that his mom, his mom almost looked like a skeleton. But, oh, she was so happy to see him again. In tiempo, she regained her strength. And she thanked God every day that she got to see him. Ricky absorbed what was being told to him in relations to Mr. Balloons and the kidnapped children. In the middle of him processing his thoughts, his mother interrupted once again. Mijo, just imagine how you would feel if you came home and one day I just wasn't here. Instead, you see a pinchy balloon with my picture on it that says, Say goodbye to your mommy from Mr. Balloons. Ricky could feel his antenna stiffen up in anger. After excusing himself, he went into his room. He pulled out his laptop and began to find the locations of the children that were kidnapped. He couldn't explain it, but something all of a sudden consumed him. He didn't know what caused it or if it would be a permanent thing, but a thought came to his head. You know, maybe I could just use my antenna to find this so-called Mr. Balloons. To Ricky, the police had tried to locate Mr. Balloons, but failed. Maybe his antenna could pick up something the police overlooked. Maybe a scent, or just a small piece of evidence that Mr. Balloons mistakenly left behind. All he knew was that he could just not let this pass if he was suddenly blessed or cursed, depending on how you saw it, with huge cockroach antenna growing out of his head. On his day off, 
Ricky compiled all the information that he had acquired regarding the locations of the kidnappings. He went to each location, but found nothing. All these areas were public areas where many people visited. That, combined with the number of days that had passed since each of the kidnappings took place, made each of his investigations come up empty. His plan failed. He felt defeated. But he could not give up. He had to think of another plan. He decided to be a little more creative in his next plan. He took down the names of each of the parents who were missing their children. Once he had the names, he visited each home posing as a mild-mannered reporter for the East Los Angeles College newspaper. Dressed in a wide-collar shirt and slacks and wearing non-prescription glasses along with a fedora, which, I mean, he still needed to wear in order to hide his antenna. He explained that his college newspaper wanted to help out in getting as much information possible about the children in order to help them in their rescue. Most of the interviews took no more than 15 minutes. The parents, still grief-stricken, were not really in the mood to discuss the kidnapping of their children. They did give Ricky a quick tour of their children's rooms. However, if anything to discuss what they liked and how they hoped that their children would return. In a quick move, Ricky would remove his fedora hat in order to smell the children's room with his antenna so that he would be able to remember their scent. Some smelled like kids' body wash, others like talcum powder, most like fabric softener. He felt that what he obtained with these interviews wasn't much, but it was definitely a start. The last house that he visited was the house of the first little girl that was kidnapped, her name being Maria. She was the one who gave the most information. She explained that her daughter's sixth birthday party was coming up. She showed him a lot of pictures of her so that he would know exactly what she looked like. While going over the pictures, his eyes caught a photograph hung on the wall. Maria was not in the picture, but something about it caught his eye. Uh, excuse me, asked Ricky. Uh, I'm sorry, but may I see that picture over there that's hanging by the wall? Uh, you mean this one? She asked as she pointed to it. The picture showed the mom in what looked like a group picture from her work. Everyone had their arms spread and were all cheering. In the back row of the picture was a man who looked like a younger version of the customer who ordered the mini quesadillas at the Rey de Mexico stop the other day.
Yeah, replied Ricky. I'm sorry, do, do you know this man? He pointed at the tall man in the back row. Ugh, yes, replied the mom. That picture was taken when I worked at the Buena Vision cable. Uh, you mean the old abandoned cable studio over by uh, Eastern Avenue? Yeah, that's the one. His name is Vicente, but he, he wanted to be called Vincent. Oh, he was such an annoying employee. He was the kind of person that always wanted to one-up you. If you came to work and you said that you bought a 42-inch TV, he said that he had a 52-inch TV. Uh, if you said that you went to see a band in concert, well, he, he'd say that he'd seen them twice already. He always, always had to be better than everybody else. Well, one day, uh, one of the new employees came and showed pictures of a birthday party that he had for his son over at Chucky's Pasta. Uh, in the pictures, uh, he said that he hired costume characters and then that he decorated the place really, really well. Well, when he showed the pictures to everybody, oh, Vincent became insanely jealous. To Vincent, there was finally an employee who had beaten him. No, oh, but Vincent wouldn't let that go. When it was time for his daughter's birthday party, oh, Vincent went all out. He had rented uh, the entire park, which is where my daughter was kidnapped, all to himself. And then he went and decorated the park with these, these uh, animatronic robots. And I think he even got himself a deluxe costume to wear. <laughs> well... Well, the problem was that is that on that day of, uh, you know, his daughter's birthday party, oh, it rained heavily. I mean, I mean, none of us went because it was just pouring. I know each one of us called Vincent that day and just, just let him know we, we, we couldn't go. Oh, but Vincent got very upset. We each asked him, hey, could you reschedule, you know, so we could do it another day? But, oh, no, he shouted at each one of us over the phone. And he said that the party was for that day. And that was that. Well, when Monday came and we all met up at work, oh, he yelled, of a, he yelled at all of us with this kind of ardent rage. He told us that he, he waited for us to come to his party but his wife and child were begging him to go home because it was it was raining. They were wet, and there was a cold wind blowing in. No, no, but he said that he told them he was going to stay just in case one of us showed up for his daughter's birthday party. Well, unfortunately, at the end, uh, Vincent said that his wife and daughter died due to pneumonia and hypothermia. He asked the doctors, well, you know, why didn't he get sick? But I know that the doctors informed him that the costume that he was wearing kept him warm uh, while his wife and daughter were exposed to the rain and the cold weather. Oh, his temperament was just so violent that he 
picked up the 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 the, the keyboards from the computer and just became sm- and just started smashing them into the monitors i mean he was creating such a ruckus that the boss came down looked at what was going on and just told vincent he was fired but you know our 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 boss was was very uh oh how can i say he wasn't an angry boss you know he he fought for us so he said because he understood the emotional chaos that Vincent was going through. He said that uh, Buena Vista uh, Cable Vision would pick up the full bill for his medical and therapeutical treatment. I mean, word is that he, he went through intense psychological treatment and that, you know, he was actually doing very well. But uh, when Buena Vision Cable went out of business... Unfortunately, they were no longer able to continue his coverage. No one knows what happened to him ever since then. I mean, why are you asking me this? Do you know this man?